Uh, well, welcome on in. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Big thanks to our title sponsor, Mountain America Credit Union. Get 0% interest on all purchases through May of 2020 with the new Mountain America Credit Card. For details, visit macu.com or call 1-800-748-4302. Gordon, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic, Jake. Uh, it's a good day. and uh, It's a good day for you. It's a, we hope it's a good day for all our listeners. If you do have some kind of trouble that's... Uh, that's bugging you a little bit or troubling you, then we try to uh, to lighten the load a little bit, right? Have uh, some yeah, fun that, here today. And that's the idea. Talk some sports and uh, tear some stuff apart, put it back together again. Tear some stuff apart and probably not be able to put it back together again. But Odds are. Oh, well. All right. Uh, we have a lot to do today. Sam Amick going to be on the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Josh Parcell will join us at 5.30. So we'll have a little NBA, a little college football for you. Gordon has a column up at sltrib.com that we will certainly talk about today. The Jazz had a game last night. They've got another big one tomorrow. So we, of course, will be very jazz-heavy on the show. But uh, one uh, one place I wanted to start. Uh, Austin is not with us today. He is, uh, I don't know what Austin is doing, and that will be relevant here in a moment. Alex is uh, filling in for Austin today. By the way, Alex is developing a nickname, Kyle. Do we want to jump on board with that? Scotty accidentally call, called him Kyle a little while ago. Or well, do you want to stick with Alex until uh, other inspiration strikes? Why did he call him Kyle? Uh, I don't know. Uh, why, uh, Alex, why did uh, Scotty call you Kyle? Any particular reason? I don't know. I just think it kind of slipped his mind, and Kyle was what was there i don't what know kind, okay what kind of person would do such a thing uh i don't know gordon what kind hmm. hey no, i'm i'm not, I'm, gonna, I'm I'm not, not good with names either I'm so i can't gonna. judge brother <laughs> me neither <laughs> anyway kyle good to have you aboard so Hi, you're going you're going with kyle no, all right no no call him what his mama had named him so alex yeah okay but unless you don't like your name do you not like do you have a nickname uh, most people, my parents included, actually call me Lundy. Lundy. Lundy, Lundy. That's, a, that's a good name. Yeah, I but like that one. Lundy. The problem is he likes it, too. I know. See, that, that's that's why the, the nickname for Austin Facer as Bert is just magic, because he, <laughs> he just hates it. And it's different than Austin, which is the point, because we have Austin Horton, and we don't want to confuse uh, everybody out there now that we have Bert aboard. So that's, you know where that came from but we don't have another alex nor uh another lundy so is lundy is that a play off your last name was it yeah lundberg's my last name but football coaches found it easier to yell lundy when they were angry so that kind so of your parents started uh, yelling uh, lundy when they were angry uh well no i just kind of caught on what everybody called me but lundy? i yeah. like that that's so a that's, nice that's a good one that that's not yeah. bad so kyle lundy it is I like names. I like nicknames <laughs> where it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of a, uh, an informal way. You know, I've always said that. Like you know what that. was yours? Moonbeam or something? No moon. But uh, it was. Uh, I, I like names like Henry Hank. Call him Hank. Uh-huh. Uh, John Jack. Uh, that sort of thing. Uh, well, I'm it, guessing Alex is short for Alexander. Is it? No, it's actually not. My parents really? were. Yeah, they were like. They liked the name Alex, and they were going to name me Alexander, and then went, we're never going to call him that, so... Why not just go with Alex? Yeah. So oh. they went with Alex, and now they call you Lundy. Yep. Okay. So they don't call me even the name that they thought they were going to call they me. They didn't so. want to call you Bergie? Where's that come from? Lundberg. Oh, Bergie. Oh, okay. I got it now. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, Austin is not here, so I, I thought it would be fun to make up somewhere Austin 
what he is doing right now. I and, talked to Austin on the phone because I didn't know he wasn't going to be in. Did that. you? Yeah. yeah. I, and I'm but, sure what he's dealing with is you, we know Austin and his bad luck, so I'm sure what he's dealing with today <laughs> is is just horrible. So we, I, I thought maybe I we'd that. we'd keep it positive, right? Austin is is not on the show today because he's at uh, massage camp. <laughs> Is he is he the massager or the massagee? Uh, I, massagee. I mean, if he were the massager, he'd still be working. How would that be fun? I'm talking about, you know. I don't know. I don't know what he's into. He's he's testing roller coasters at Lagoon today. Uh, if you have an idea, jump aboard. Did I tell you you were going to go with something food did, related. Did I tell you about the time I had that uh, got that massage at my house? Wait, you're now you're making my exercise about Austin about you? No, I'm just telling you, sharing you a story here. Uh, I uh, I had a friend whose sister was going to massage school, and so she came over to the house, and she needed to do so many massages in order as a, you know to matriculate. And so I said, "Yeah, I'll take a massage. Come on over." And it was at a fairly cut rate price. So she came to the house and she said, is there a quiet room here somewhere? And so I, <laughs> so we ended up <laughs> in a bedroom uh, downstairs in a corner of the house. <laughs> and so I'm in there. She brought her table. She unfolded everything. And uh, I laid out on the, uh, on the table and she's giving me this massage and she's playing like dolphin music on her boom box or something, you know? And, uh, then my, my wife and my, my kids came home and my kids came into the, into the room and it's a dark room, you know, and, and, uh, she's in there giving me this massage. And so they go up and say, Hey mom, why is dad downstairs with some strange woman who's, uh, she's, uh, you know, rubbing his back and stuff. Uh, was was Lisa unaware of your massage? But Lisa knew knew our friend's sister, so it was no big deal. But I mm. got to admit, mm. it, was, it could have been taken the wrong way. I see. Because I love myself a massage. We know. And when when I get myself a massage, I tend to go, hmm, you know, make noises and stuff. <laughs> You know, I don't think I would have brought this up had I known where the, the conversation would be going. Anyway, you said massage camp. I don't know where Austin is today, but uh, if you have an idea, if you had an Austin sighting, maybe you saw him somewhere up on a mountaintop somewhere or something like that, then let us know. And if you could send us photographic evidence, that'd be great, too. So now maybe we could have our listeners chasing Austin all around town, sending us creepy photos. <laughs> you know, Sven brings up a great one. He says, Austin was testing roller coasters at Lagoon today. One would break down and he would be stuck upside down for nine hours. That is exactly what would happen to Austin. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what would, would happen if he did that. Man, can you imagine being stuck upside down like that? Oh, my gosh. That would not be fun. Well, I mean, how long could you, how long could you take it? Oh, not that long. You're upside down. All the the blood rushing to your yeah. head. Yeah, that'd be rough. I mean, how long could you? Can a human survive that? I don't know. I don't think you can get stuck upside down, though. You can't. Well, like, well, I guess we don't need to get into the physics of a roller coaster, but I don't know if that would be really possible. Well, if it broke there, I guess they could probably release it and have you slide on down. I don't know. I would think so, but there. Yeah. Anyway. 
Good times. Austin. By the way, Austin liked that tweet. Did he? Yes. Yeah. We must be paying attention. All right. Well, somebody take a picture of Austin and send it to us. Which makes it even better since Austin's listening. <laughs> so bring your best material. Where have you seen Austin Horton today? Uh, maybe, uh, let's see, Austin is taking the day off because... Uh, the, the donut shop was overstocked and they needed to get rid of some oh, inventory. I'm glad you said that, not me. <laughs> I am so glad you said it. <laughs> and cue the angry text in five, four, three, <laughs> two, and one. Uh, Austin, whatever you're doing out there, uh, we hope it's going out. Uh, we hope Austin's, it's going fine. You think Austin's hanging out at a bakery somewhere? No, no. I was just joking. That's the exercise. We're just inventing hypotheticals. All right. Uh, should we get to it? Let's talk about the Jazz game last All night, right. shall we? It's mm-hmm. time for the split story of the day. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Hit it. And The Zone Sports Network. Simmons going coast to coast to the window. Misses the layup. Gobert rebounds. Outlet to Conley. Wearing the gold uniform with the navy blue leggings. And a left-hand drive to the window. Lays it up and in. Beautiful stutter step move at the top. Beats the defense, and Mike Conley has two in the open court. You know, it, we there, there's no, oftentimes there's there's no magic. It's just um, a level of focus, and, and usually when you have a team, I, I think like ours, that has character, when you, you, something's taken from you, it, it hurts, and it's painful, and it brings your attention more to what you had to do, and obviously, you know, we didn't, sometimes you think of rebounding as just desire, um, and it's certainly some of that as well. I mean, you've got to have an aggressiveness. I thought tonight we got more 50-50 balls. Mike Conley did a great job on the glass. You know, terrific job. And he came up with with loose balls too. But it, it you know, oftentimes rebounding is execution and guys helping each other out and not taking anything for granted. So I, I think we had you know, great urgency on the boards tonight. And obviously, it was something that you know that our guys internalized. You know, we watched film, and it, you know, th- those those are boxes you're checking. And you know, our guys, you know, came to came to rebound, came to play, and they were physical tonight. And you know, everybody did it. Gordon, you feeling uh, any better about the rebounding after the Jazz beat the Sixers last night, 106-104? How couldn't you? I mean, they because they, they got absolutely killed on the boards by the Clippers. They lost the game against the Kings because of that uh, that offensive board uh, that Harrison Barnes got and scored. Uh, so, I yeah, how could you not? I thought it was a much, much better performance, and the Jazz out-rebounded the best rebounding team in the league by eight and they had more offensive boards, 14-7. to seven. And they just didn't shoot the ball particularly efficiently, but they did better than the Sixers did, so that means they were playing some defense, too. Well, 46% isn't bad. No, it's just not stellar. I mean, Quinn Snyder wants to see more threes, and maybe that's where you're you're talking about a, a efficiency or, or effective field goal percentage. But, you know, they only got up 22, but they made eight of them, 36.4%. But I, I think this was an example of if the Jazz focus on their issues and, and put the time and work into it, they're pretty capable of, uh, of you know, tightening things up. I mean, I think it was really impressive. Listen, Philly is giant. They yeah. they are a huge, huge team. And I think it was Embiid who said after the game that they should go out and dominate the boards every single night. He's 100% correct. 
I mean, Although they're, they're, rebounding is more than just height. True, but Al Horford is a is a really good rebounder. Joel Embiid is a really good rebounder. No. Tobias Harris, meh. But Ben Simmons for a guard is a really good rebounder. I mean, they they really should. He's right. They should dominate the boards every single night. And for the much smaller Jazz, and I I guess I get it, size isn't everything. But mm-hmm. for them to go out and do those other things that allows them to be a good rebounding team, I, I think is is really important. It tells you about the importance of focus on something. The Jazz let that slip, and it cost them two straight games. Did you see that uh, Mike Conley is finding himself a hundred bucks yeah. every time he uh, misses a box out? So he's boxing everybody out. Yeah, I love it because <laughs> he wasn't doing it before. Yeah, it's true. It's, so, it's funny. How, okay, so you have Mike Conley, and I'm not picking on Mike, but here he is, the seasoned veteran player, and even a guy like that forgets to do some things that need to be done in order to win games. But once it becomes the center of your attention, then uh, then th- that th- gets accomplished. And the Jazz did that in a major way last night. And one other thing, I was picking on the shooting percentage there a little bit because I think the Jazz can shoot better than they did last night. But that three-pointer by Bogdanovich, if he misses that shot, the Jazz might lose that game. Oh, dagger, for sure. And, and he, he and that's exactly what the Jazz were looking for, to help them overcome their offensive deficiencies a year ago. And I know he was 9 of 18, so he was efficient last night from the floor. Uh, Donovan was, you know, more like Donovan used to be, not overly efficient. Mike Conley, 6 of 15 from the floor. But Bogdanovich had to hit that shot, or I think the Jazz would have been in trouble. And he did, and he did it calmly. He did it easily, and uh, and the Jazz uh, preserved their victory by two points. Also, to be noted, Joe Ingles had his best game of the year. Uh, I thought his best game of the year, anyway, with 16 points coming in off the bench, and he was terrific once again uh, this morning with DJ and PK. Although he did uh, he he did drop a bad word on the yeah, Joe Ingles did. show today. I talked to PK about that, and uh, they were like, Joe. <laughs> Joe, you're on the radio. Yeah. But, but Joe sort of forgets. He's just having a conversation. Yeah, he know. was just rolling. Yeah. 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 And, and, so. and you don't want to, you don't necessarily want him to double clutch everything he says. And so did, uh, did uh, and Hatch, I assume. Yeah, he got it. Beeped it. But Joe was actually making a particularly insightful comment on how he's going to have a good attitude about whatever the team needs. <laughs> so he was actually making a really important point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and played very well. It's, it's a new role for him. I mean, back to the Mike Conley and the box out thing, Gordon. This goes back to something that, that we talked about at the very beginning of the season. Remember when it was Mike saying it was weird that when he gets beat on the perimeter to just let his guy go and, and funnel everything to Rudy? Remember how he was talking about how he was getting used to that? It's because he's never played defense like this before. And the key to if Rudy's picking up your guy is to get your butt down there and box out his guy. Yeah. And he probably that's that's probably outside of the norm for him. So now he's he's doing what we all do. Gordon, he created a swear jar. You know? <laughs> Every time he swears, he's putting a nickel into the jar. I mean, it's how you break bad habits, right? Little, you know, or how you start forming better ones is you you start to discipline yourself. So I thought that was really interesting. He's going to find himself 100 bucks every time he misses a box out. Good for him. Was were you taking him literally that he was really going to do that? Does it matter? <laughs> No. I think my point still stands. <laughs> okay. Well, it worked. 
And uh, see, here people wonder a little bit. They were wondering about, oh man, you know, the Jazz are missing Derek Favors and the size and the rebounding, and at times the defense, and and so they were concerned about that. But the Jazz proved last night what I've always thought: I would rather have guys who can score, who, if you remind them to do the nitty gritty little things, oh, they can do those too. But you can't expect guys who can't shoot very well to consistently be better shooters. That's something you either have it or you don't. Right. So from that standpoint, the Jazz proved that, okay, they have shooters, they have players who can improve upon what happened a year ago, and if they slip up uh, with their defensive rebounding here and there, just remind them, keep it in their forefront, and then have them go ahead and concentrate on that, and it works out. It did. I mean, the Sixers were one of the best teams in the league, and Ben Simmons didn't play in the second half. I get that, uh, and that is a bit of an asterisk. But is it? Kind of, yeah, I still, because that offense runs better with him on the floor. All Although, right. How, how old Neto last night? What was that? He played pretty well. That three-point shot he hit. I'm going, I've watched Al Neto play for years and years, and I've never seen him hit a shot like that. So he was... He was feeling it a little bit. I thought last night demonstrated exactly how and why the the Sixers are really going to miss Jimmy Butler this year. The Jazz don't win that game last year with Jimmy Butler playing. And uh, my at least based on that game, watching the Sixers closely last night, Gordon, my theory about how Horford and Embiid may be a little there may be a little duplication there. There is, and look at go look at Horford's production in the two games uh, that Embiid missed. He was. Uh, I think he was averaging like 28 and a half or 29 points in those two games. And then last night, he was basically non-existent. And big ups to to Royce O'Neal, who who did a lot of that heavy lifting on Al Horford, but he didn't have an impact on that game at all. You can't judge off of one game, though. You absolutely can't. But one thing Philly did not have last night was a guy who was going to take over the game when it came down to winning time. And Embiid hit a lot of free throws, and, and he's very good. Don't get me wrong. But they needed somebody with the ball in his hands, don't go out there and make it happen. And that's exactly where I think Ben Simmons is going to have a lot of trouble. Well, it certainly didn't hurt the Jazz to have an absolute strength going up against Embiid in Rudy's defense. And he played really well. He did. And so that, uh, I mean, usually Embiid is not used to facing that kind of resistance. By the way, uh, seeing Embiid in person, you know, in the building last night, he is giant. <laughs> He's a big man. He is huge. Yep. I mean, I've been around the NBA long enough that rarely am I, you know, kind of taken back about how big these guys are because, you know, we see them on a, on a regular basis. I mean, Rudy himself is huge. But some guys you get a look at when they come to town and you just go, oh, my gosh. Steven Adams is another example. Every time he comes to town and you get a look at him in person, you're just like, man, you are a Giant. Shaq was that way. Shaq was definitely that way. Shaq used to make Carl Malone look diminutive, and not very many players could do that. Well, late late career Shaq, especially. <laughs> he was he was growing like larger and like larger. Cleveland Cavalier, Boston Celtic Shaq. <laughs> Remember that Shaq? <laughs> well, he was always big, but he got a little bigger. <laughs> He got a lot bigger. <laughs> he spent some time down at the donut shop in yeah. Austin. He he started working out with Sean Kemp, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, that has all kinds of connotations. I mean that Sean Kemp came back from the lockout fat. That's what I'm 
That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> okay. You remember that when he uh, when he uh, came yeah. back I was from just the trying lockout? To remember how you knew about what Shaq was doing in his private time with Sean? Not Kemp. funny. <laughs> <laughs> Not funny. You knew what I meant. Does the word progeny mean anything? All right. We want to remind you about our friends at Diamond Airport Parking. Enough over there. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car to curb service 24-7. Airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park ride and save. Diamond Airport Parking. Gordon has a column out, sltrib.com, talking about the mighty Weber State Wildcats. And I want to talk specifically about their head coach and his future coming up next. Yeah, let's do it. And let's give Weber, I mean, I know the initial impression for a lot of people might be, okay, wait, no, talk about Utah, talk about BYU. Weber State is amongst the best at their level of football, and I think that deserves some recognition. And they have a great coaching staff up there, like you were intimating. We'll talk about it coming up next. Stay tuned. Big Show. Oh, I like this, by the way. Somebody suggests, says, uh, I don't want to start any rumors, but just saw a rather large police contingent surrounding what appeared to be a handcuffed and shackled Austin Horton. (laughs) Where is Austin today? And then, by the way, finishes it off with the hashtag free Austin. Where is Austin today? We're speculating. Participate at uh, Jake Scott Zone, at Gordon Monson. Uh, You can also get us on the open mic feature on the Zone Sports Network app. Where is Austin today? I think I've, somebody told me that they saw him out spraying mosquitoes out in a, out by the Great Salt Lake somewhere. For fun? No, he was a community service. <laughs> oh, really? He's on a on a like a chain gang. <laughs> well, I, I don't know whether mosquitoes. I don't know. I don't know whether he was compelled to be there. What we have here is a failure to communicate. Stay tuned. More next. Ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty. The zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the day today is the Aquabats, brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. Selected by our uh, producer who's filling in today for Austin, Alex. Any particular in- inspiration there? Well, the Aquabats are playing in Salt Lake on Saturday. My roommate and I are going to be there, so okay. I was, you know, I'm kind of in the mood right now. So, where are they? Uh, where are they coming? They're playing at the complex. The complex. All right. This reminds me of high school, Gordon. Or does it? Back when that was kind of when ska was at its heyday. I don't know. Is it still popular, ska? No, it's not. I mean, it was kind of big when I was in high school. It had like a mini resurgence uh-huh. just in Murray, but. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're you're keeping the the flames alive there, Alex. Good job. Good work. So I yeah I like the Aquabats. You big into ska there, Gordon? Uh, not really. Not your thing? Well, I mean, I dislike it. I just don't, you know, it's not something that I uh, single out and target as uh, my listenable music. Um, Evan, we're coming up with with theories where Austin is today. He'll be back tomorrow, but where is he today? Evan says, uh, where's Austin? He's having a 4 p.m. meeting with his stake president to become bishop of his ward. Ah. (laughs) Now that... (laughs) I hope that's true, because I would really like to see Austin in action as a bishop. Yeah, that that uh... bring a little fire and brimstone back to the pulpit. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? It could happen. Yeah. All right, so that that's the leader for me, and that's what I hope is happening today, and why Austin is is not here. You know, someone during the break said that they saw him down uh, between two sandwich boards, you know, dressed up like a clown, trying to get people to go into a business. I didn't know Austin had side jobs, a little side hustle. Yeah, he's down there uh, directing I, people into getting an oil change or something. <laughs> Dressed like the Statue of Liberty, trying to get people to come in for their tax. I, I, uh. <laughs> so where is Austin? Let us know. Open mic. Uh, you can tweet at us, at Jake Scott Zone, you at know, Gordon Monson. One thing I didn't know about Austin was he's been, uh, have you noticed uh, he's sort of taken up yodeling? Has he? Yeah. So he's yodeling today? He might be. Is that I mean, what's going on? He's yeah. on top of some some canyon somewhere yodeling? Do they have yodeling contests around here or something? I have no Are clue. Are yodeling clubs? Uh, I don't know. But Austin would. I, I could see Austin doing that. Yodeling. Or maybe blowing one of those big, what are, they, what are they, Alpen horns? What are those things called? Those, you know. The... Oh, sure. I don't know. Why are you asking me what they're called? I don't know. It uh, sounds you like you know what uh, what they're I'm, called. I'm guessing. I'm not sure. But honestly, knowing knowing Austin, he was probably kidnapped and is trying to reach us for ransom as we speak he's saying he's gordon i really need you <laughs> gordon i've never needed you more you know one time when i was a kid well, i was a t- teenager hold I the guess. phone here you have a kidnapping story no but we I, I, <laughs> a kidnapping story we, had a, we this this shows you how dumb teenagers can be but uh a friend of mine was driving his car, and one of our fr- another friend decided he was going to get into the back trunk. It was in an old Buick Electra 225 or one of those big old long cars, you know, with a big trunk. And uh, we he he got in the he got in the trunk, <laughs> and when we came to a stoplight. He he was holding the trunk lid down, but kind of pried it open a little bit. So the car in back, the cars in back of us, saw this guy trying to get out of a tr- out of the trunk. And one of my other friends jumped out of the car, ran around the back, and 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 pushed him back in the trunk and slammed the trunk lid down and ran and got back in the car. This is was considered good old fun back in the day. I mean. Did anything happen? Well, no. He was just... <laughs> I mean, did, was is there a, is there a climax to this story? It was just. I that mean, did, we did the guy to, say something? They, they did the cops tra- show up? I mean, trying, or does it just end at that and you guys giggling and driving away? <laughs> well, uh, the, the guys were trying to freak people out, oh, okay. and Mario got stuck in the trunk. I see. Okay. Oh well. You wrote a column today. I did. You went up, uh, went up to Ogden Way and talked to uh, Jay Hill and the staff? Weber State is playing the best football it has ever played, and Jay Hill is a big reason for it. He's got a good staff, a lot of assistants up there know what they're doing. He's lost a lot of assistants to D1 programs uh, around the West, but uh, they are continuing. They're a third in the country in FCS. Uh, that's the highest ranking the school has ever had. They're five and zero in the Big Sky. They've already beaten three other ranked FCS teams this year. Last week they beat number six Sacramento State. Interestingly enough, coached by Troy Taylor, your Troy guy. Taylor. 
Uh, <laughs> Weber is seven and two. The, the, the losses were to San Diego State, who is ranked twenty fourth in the country. They held them to six points. The problem was for the Weebs, they couldn't score any, so they lost that game, and they also lost to Nevada in a close game. But this this team is. They've won 24 of their last 26 Big Sky games, Jake. That's, That's amazing. It, that is impressive. They're 30 and 4 since 2016. They're they're ranked uh, they're first in the conference in defense. They're first in the country in uh turnover uh margin plus 14 there. They're first in the Big Sky in red zone scoring. They score 93.5% of the time. That's third in the country. And they've been ranked in the FCS top 10 for 18 straight weeks and 21 of the past 22. Jay Hill's a heck of a coach, and he's doing a terrific job up there. And I asked his, uh, his, his associate head coach, uh, Brent Myers, who is a long, he's been coaching for 37 years. He coached at Utah under Urban Meyer, and he's been all over the place. He said that um, that Jay, Jay Hill has a way with people, and he is super bright, super uh, detail-oriented, super organized. That's all the things you want in a head coach. Cares about the kids he coaches, uh, connects with them in recruiting, and is uh, is uh, one of those detail guys that leaves no stone unturned. And so it's, it's no shock, I guess, that uh, Weber State is doing what it's doing right now. So I I thought your column was great. I would encourage everybody to go read it. I I completely say here here to your thoughts on on Jay Hill and what he's done up there. And you know when uh, when Tony and I were doing the show together, we'd have Jay on once a week. Uh, so it was fun to talk to him throughout this process. What and were of your course, impressions of him when you were talking to him? Well, and of course he still comes on to- uh, Tuesdays with those guys. But I mean he 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 comes into to remotes when we're up there in Ogden, and it correlates kind of with his time to come on. I mean he couldn't be more generous with his his time and energies but but here's he should be an extremely hot commodity at the end of the year um his success and the stuff you're talking about is just amazing the other reason is is because he knows obviously how to build a program the the weber state team that he took over gordon you remember we had jody sears on once a week before jay came on and let me tell you that was a disaster and 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 his first year he was two and ten because they lost nine straight that year but but from there he built it right. into what it is now, and that's impressive. So here's the thing: if I'm if I'm a program that's looking to to build something, and by the way, he's also shown loyalty to Weber State and passed up on some jobs he because did. he's happy there. So yeah. that would also be appealing to me. But I, I let's let's try and plan Jay's career here for him for a second. <laughs> All right, let's let's go ahead and plan it out for him because likely this is going to be the high water mark at at Weber State. Because I mean, he's he's got national championship aspirations for crying out loud. I mean, right. it it almost can't possibly get better than it is they right were now. The right, number two seed last year in the FCS playoffs. So he's he should be, I would think, a a hot commodity at the end of this year uh, in in coaching searches. Now locally, I mean, he's an LDS guy. So, you know, if BYU were to move on from Kalani Sataki, I would I would absolutely expect him to be a candidate. If you're, you know, Utah State or Utah and you find yourself looking for a coach in the near future, which isn't going to happen at either spot, I wouldn't guess. But Jay would certainly be on that list. The question is, 
where would you go? Would you would you take a coordinating job at Utah or Utah State or BYU? I think he's already had opportunities to do those and kinds he's, of things. He's passed it up. Yeah. But but Jerry Bovey was also there at the time. He's got a new boss, and I don't know. You know, that relationship, I'm not sure. I've never asked Jay about it. But that is a different factor than was there when he was uh, allegedly offered the Utah D coordinating job at one point. I think that's an interim situation up there still, if I'm not mistaken. Is it? I, so I, I could be wrong, but I think. So they haven't decided 100% yet. But Jerry is, is no longer there. He's now up at Utah State. So there's another connection. Or could he pull a Craig Bowl and go from this level of football FCS to a Mountain West gig? I don't see him going out of the region, but could he? Would he be considered if, say, uh, UNLV got tired of Tony Sanchez and and says, you know what, this isn't going to work? There, uh, let me look where UNLV is at right now. Um, UNLV right now is zero and five in league, two and seven overall. So let's say they decide to to move on from him. Would Jay be a candidate there, and would that be a job he would be interested in? The Lobos are, are struggling, aren't they? New Mexico is terrible. They're also zero and five in league and two and seven overall. And yeah. lost to Liberty, by the way. Yeah. So, if I'm if I'm running one of those athletic departments, I got Jay Hill's number on speed dial. Now, I don't know if he's picking up or not, because I don't. I I did not ask him. That's I did ask him about his long term, what what he would like to accomplish, uh, and he essentially said that he doesn't think about those things. And, uh, you know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But uh, let me give you the exact quote. He said, we've lost nine or ten assistants to programs like UCLA, Utah, BYU, Oregon State. But I love this place. It would take something extra special for me to leave. We've had opportunities, but I'm not looking to jump. I've got 110 players counting on me here to do the right thing. I don't get hung up on it, I don't think about it and uh, you know some guys i wouldn't believe that but with him i i, I kind of do believe it i think he is really immersed in what he's doing there at, at weaver state and it shows well and he really cares about his guys and I, that's why i think he's conflicted uh when it comes to you know probably thinking talking acting on these sorts of things but it is the reality of the college football world and maybe you know what maybe weaver state is where he wants to be throughout his career i don't want to i don't want to rule that out for jay he loves being there i know that for yeah. a fact and randy ray has has made himself uh, a wonderful life and living uh, coaching basketball at Weaver State. So let's not pretend that that's not an option either. But I'm I'm thinking in the you know the the climb the ladder coaching world. If I'm Jay Hill, would I take or or would you take Gordon if you were in his shoes? Would you take a DC job at Utah State if it became available no, and was offered to so. you? Even if it were more money, I think I'd rather run my own program. Would you take a job at a place like New Mexico where it's really hard to win and they haven't really put it together in it, a while? It depends. Uh, I might uh, pull an Urban Meyer and study out the situation and see what's in the cupboard. Would you take like a Sunbelt job? Uh, maybe, again, if I thought I could win there. That's the main thing. But this is one of those age-old questions. Would you rather stay at Weber State? I mean, he's 44. Jay Hill is 44. Would you rather stay at Weber State for the next 15 years and and be successful? Because he knows how to be successful there. He, he's a terrific recruiter. He's been recruiting the state of Utah and gotten some ter- really good players here. And he knows how to do it. Would you rather have the job security and a formula that works and stay at Weber State or take a chance on a New Mexico? 
and run the risk of being out of a job in five years or less. See, the hard part is, is that's really where I think he's valuable. Like if I'm New Mexico, I absolutely consider Jay Hill very thoroughly because I look at the way he's built it at Weber State. Where, and as you mentioned this in the column, you know, the football history at Weber State is not Montana or Montana State. It right. it hasn't been a place where traditionally coaches have really won big. Ron McBride had a had a few nice years up there, no doubt about it. And now Jay Hill is doing this, but there's a reason that it's historic. You know, he built it, yeah. and he built it from basically nothing. But uh, in my experience in talking with coaches through the years, they believe they can win. Uh, they believe that their formula, if it's working where they are now, it will work somewhere else as long as they have the support of the administration. Uh, I think coaches are smart enough to look at the situation and go, okay, that doesn't look right to me. Yeah. I'm not going to take that chance. And I don't know whether some of these these programs that are losing right now, whether they are sleeping giants, whether they have great potential that's not being fulfilled right now. But I, Jay just strikes me as the kind of guy who loves to coach. He loves to coach. And it sounds like his players love him too. Yep. And that, that develops a relationship that is not easy to walk away from, especially he's got – I think he's got four kids, and they love Ogden. So I, I know there are these ambitious coaches that come hell or high water. They're moving on. They're climbing. That's what they're doing, and that's what they care about. They don't care about this other stuff, but he does. And that really spoke to me when he said, I've got players counting on me here to do the right thing because so many coaches talk a good game in that regard, but they don't live it. Yeah. They don't show it. They, they say it's all about the kids, but B.S., it's not about the kids. It's about me. It's about my career path. It's about making millions of dollars. And I, I, I get the I, – you know, rarely do I believe coaches when they say these kinds of things, that they do care about the kids and that that's their number one priority. But with Jay Hill, it's, it's kind of easy to believe. By the way, he's making between 235 and uh, $233,000 and 275000 depending on bonuses and that sort of thing. So. See, now that, that sounds like a nice living – uh, compared to a lot of, of uh, occupations out there, but he could make he could make ten times that uh, yeah. if he decided he wanted to climb that ladder. Yep. And uh, I, I think he would consider a great offer. He said it would take something something extra special for me to leave. So I think he would consider it if something like that came along. But he isn't just going to do it to do it. Yep. He isn't just jump into a a so called bigger program somewhere because the opportunity is there. I don't, I don't think that's the way he thinks. And right. I don't think that's the way he operates. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Don't forget Sam Amick, top of the 4 o'clock hour. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. 97.5-1280 The Zone. We've got Sam Amick coming up right around the corner. Uh, but really quickly, before we get to that, Gordon, have you uh, have you ever gone in and uh, fired a team up? 
you ever uh, somebody ever asked you to to come by and give a pep talk or something like that? I've been asked to speak to teams before, but never to come in like before the game and and give uh, that kind of pep talk. Have you ever done it before? Maybe in one of your you know uh, your illustrious athletic career. I don't know, Gordon. Maybe you were the captain of your semi-pro hockey team. <laughs> And gave a, a fiery speech. I have, I have given little. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know whether it worked at all. But well, what um, was the outcome? That's what I was going to ask you. If you done I it before, remember. what was the? I mean, I was on, I was on certain teams where I was in a position of leadership and uh, spoke. Uh, the coach uh, looked at you and said, "Moonbeam, get this team ready to go." <laughs> moon, not moonbeam, but yeah. Okay. Well, have you? Uh, no. No, I have not. How about your baseball team or your tennis team? Did you ever get out in front of everybody and say, by golly? No, I mean, I in my athletic career, I was a bad example. The coaches <laughs> didn't. They wanted, they wanted to highlight anything but me. <laughs> All right, so why are you bringing it up? Well, uh, Syracuse had a big showdown last night with uh, the University of Virginia in, at Syracuse. Uh-huh. Early season ACC showdown. Uh-huh. And uh, so uh, they had Carmelo Anthony come into the locker room to fire up the team before the game. Oh, no. And the mighty Orange took the floor and managed a, 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 a uh, hmm, let me see, enthusiastic 34 points on the game <laughs> to lose 48-34 to 34 to the University of Virginia. Are you uh, kidding? Scoring a scorching 19 first-half points only to be outdone by 15 in the second half. Well, So if you're Carmelo Anthony, what, how are you feeling? Like, geez. Well, maybe his I, speech got him those extra four point, three or four points in that first half. So maybe they would have only scored 30. Would you ever describe any team... <laughs> That only managed thirty-four points in a college basketball game. Would you would you classify that as fired up? Does that does that score reflect fired up to you? How about burned down? Does that does that score uh, reflect inspired basketball players? Thirty-four points in this day and age? Are you kidding me? I could maybe see that back when they didn't have a shot clock and they were at home. Unbelievable. How would you feel if you paid tickets to see that? Uh, not good. That's all we got if in the I, second half, 15 points? I, here's my question. What did Carmelo say? I, I don't know the specifics, but it, it couldn't have been good. You know, it, you know. I bet he he. Uh, I bet he hit him with the the somber tale of his imploding career. <laughs> and the Syracuse basketball team was like, geez, we got to go play after that? God. You think he brought the house down? <laughs> Oh man, that at thirty-four points. <laughs> well, Virginia does play defense. Oh, I know. I mean, it's total and slow as as could possibly be. I mean, they're the most boring team to watch on the planet. But thirty-four points. That. Uh, uh yeah. yeah. There's probably a lot of junior jazz games that score a whole lot more points than that. Guess uh, what? What Syracuse shot from the field? <laughs> I'm scared to ask. What, 22%? 23.6. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mello. <laughs> I think it uh, might be a good idea to keep uh, keep uh, Carmelo away from the team from here on out. He's not good for him. <laughs> who, who else could they bring in? Anyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah bring, in, bring in Jim Brown or something, you know? 
someone else. Yeah. Stay tuned. Sam Amick joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.